Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. And we're going to read uh, this morning from Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Uh, who's been reading Zephaniah, <laughs> Zephaniah recently? I see no hands. But I have. Um, Zephaniah was a, a wonderful uh, book for Susan and I about 15 years ago. God really spoke to us through it. And through this particular passage that I'm going to look at this morning. Uh, Zephaniah uh, is the uh, prophet. The word of the Lord came to him and he brought it. He talked about in chapter 1 the great day of the Lord. Chapter 2 he calls calls the people of God to repentance. And then chapter 3 he talks about the wickedness of Jerusalem. And then in end of chapter 3 he talks about there being a faithful remnant. You are a faithful remnant for God. Uh, And this word is for us. And uh, we're going to read from verse 14. Verse 14, and we'll finish at the end uh, of the chapter. Am I okay with this? Is it behaving itself? Is it this? Yeah? Is that better? Okay. Verse 14. Yeah? (laughs) I've got to read. That's the only thing. I'm breathing out my nose. Okay. Are you supposed to breathe? (laughs) Is there any other places you can breathe from? (laughs) Don't go there. Right, okay. (laughs) Right, I'll take it away from my nose. (laughs) Okay, I'm breathing out my nose. God is good. (laughs) Um, Verse 14. Joy in God's faithfulness is entitled this little passage of Scripture. Joy in God's faithfulness. Faithfulness. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all of your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly. Who are among you, to whom it is, its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. At that time I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among the people's of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. And God will bless uh, the reading uh, of his word. I've entitled uh, this morning, um, there it is, Your Mighty God. You notice in one of the verses there, verse 17, the mighty one 
will save. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one. The mighty one. So I've entitled it this morning, Your Mighty God. I wonder how mighty your God is. I wonder if you bring God down to your level and think, what can he do for me? He can do this, but he can't do that. He can supply this, but he can't supply that. He comes for me here, but he doesn't come for me there. How, in your opinion, how powerful is God? How big is he? How vast is he, in your humble opinion? In fact, is your God mighty at all? Or is he just a friend, just a, just a crutch, just something that you were brought up with? Is he mighty? I'm praying that as I speak this morning that it will begin slowly to dawn, us, dawn on us that God is mighty, that he will give you a revelation, a little revelation of just how mighty God is, the God that we call upon, the God that we pray to, the God that we worship. How mighty is he? The Lord God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with singing. He wants the very best for us. So much so, he will only give you what's best for you, despite your pleading and your longing, your crying and your moaning and your groaning. He'll only give you what's best. (laughs) Somebody's learned a lesson just right there. (laughs) He's only going to give you what's best for you. He's a mighty God, and he's mighty enough to take away judgment from you. Some of you have, should have been judged, and God took it away from you. Some of you have been uh, separated from things uh, where God's judgment was coming, and because he loves you, he took you away from it. And often when we still feel guilty as a Christian, or condemned as a Christian, it's because we don't realize just how mighty he is is. We haven't appreciated the vastness of God and the depth of his forgiveness for you. I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes find Christians accusing. Is this that tone? They, they just feel like they're accusing you. Sometimes Christians get angry with you, particularly as pastors. Sometimes they get difficult. Sometimes they start nitpicking. You know, you see the gorillas and they're, they're <laughs> They're picking away at each other. I sometimes find Christians like that. Picking. And they're nitpicking. And they're digging into you. And they're doing that because of a, a number of things sometimes. Sometimes it's fear in their life. And it's failure. And it's their own feelings. And it's their own lack of love for themselves that comes over to you. So they go on the attack. One chap Said to, I said to this chap who I knew reasonably well, I says, why are you attacking me? He says, and I says, why are you trying to distance yourself and why are you trying to cut yourself off? He says, because I'm getting my retribution in first. He says, everybody leaves me in life. Everybody abandons me. So I'll abandon you before you can abandon me because you're just like all the, the rest. You see, people get their retribution in first. Often people have a lack of grace. Christians have a lack. We talk about grace, but we have a lack of grace because often we haven't really received favor. 
and understood undeserved favor. And we've never really applied that grace to our lives. But God is a mighty God. Your God. Your God is a mighty God. And he will save, the verse says. You know that worship song that we sing, Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. It's easy to sing these things, these words, but he is mighty. He is mighty to save. I wonder if you understand how mighty he is. The mighty God who put the planets and the stars in existence used that same might for me and for you. He uses that same might for me and for you in your issues and your problems. The man, the God who put the stars in place is working in each one of our lives, pulling it together. That's how mighty he is. He makes a way where there is no way. He made earth when there was nothing. He spoke it into existence. The stars. Psalm 147 verses 45 says, He counts the numbers of the stars. He counts the number of stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Isaiah 40 Verse 25 to 26. To whom will you liken me? This is God speaking. And he's talking to us. Who are you going to liken me to? Who am I like? Whom am I going to be equal with? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who's created these things. Who brings out their host by number? He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might. And the strength of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. His understanding, it says, is unsearchable. Sam has said, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what's man? That you're mindful of him. Some of us are more worried about man than we are about God. Some of us are more worried about women, especially Mother's Day coming up, Uh, (laughs) the big build-up. Some of us are more worried about man or woman than we are about God. Who is man that you are mindful of him? So let me just give you some information about the work of his fingers and try and get some context. We talk about the moon and the stars and the earth and that, and we see this picture and we think, oh yeah, wow, yeah, we're, we're out there somewhere. Well, let me tell you some information I looked up. The earth is about 8,000 miles in diameter. 4,000 miles straight down the center. We think of it as a ball of rock, but actually the great majority of the earth is liquid, Molten rock called magma, and it's swirling incredibly slowly beneath our feet. You think you're standing on solid ground, you're not. You're standing on this called this thing, rock called magma. The solid part of the earth that we live on and whose hollows the sea sits is called the crust, and on average, it's only a few miles thick, maybe 10 miles. That 
that in proportion is like a layer of a third of a millimeter thick coating a football. In proportion, that's what it's like. And we live on that incredibly fragile, thin layer of plates floating in the subterranean sea of magma. The earth is zooming around the sun about 33,000 miles per hour, or the best part of 10 miles per second. I mean, you're dizzy, this, isn't it? And the whole solar system, the sun, the earth, and all, is whizzing around the center of the galaxy about 140 miles per second, so that it goes all the way around once every 250 million years. <laughs> the earth weighs about 73 million tons, I'm told. Saturn is nearly 100 times heavier. This is all what God has made with his fingers. Jupiter is more than 300 times heavier than that. And the sun weighs about as much as a third of a million Earths. A third of a million Earths is how the, how, uh, how the sun weighs, the weight of it. Our galaxy is estimated to contain about 100,000 million stars. 100,000 million stars in our galaxy. And he knows them all by number and by name. So it's not unreasonable, this report said, to estimate there are 10,000 million, million, million stars like the sun out there. And maybe many more, but they're on beyond the range of what scientists understand at, that moment, at this moment. And he's numbered and he's named them. And we think that we can give God, who created all that, the benefit of our advice. And we think the God who created all of that can't do what we are asking him to do. You're beginning to get a picture of how great your God is. And we find fault with the God who created all of that and we find fault with him. He's not coming through for me. He's not doing things right. He's not answering my prayers. Remember what we read? Lift up your eyes and high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by numbers. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Not one. So tonight, tonight when it gets dark, go outside and to get a perspective of who you are and who he is, go outside and look up the sky. And the clouds are gone, you will see a little bit, just a tiny bit of his handiwork and what he can do and what he's capable of. And John caught a glimpse of heaven of who God is and what we're dealing with in Revelation 5 
Then I looked, John said, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth, such as in the sea, and all of them, All that are in them, I heard them saying, every tree, every fish, heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever and ever and ever. And you begin to realize what you're dealing with, who you're dealing with. Jesus says in Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus saying, I am the Almighty. What does Almighty mean? Commander of all the hosts and powers in heaven and on earth. El Shaddai, Jehovah Sabaoth. He's omnipotent. Big word. What does that mean? He can do anything. Anything. Anything, anything, anything. He's omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything. You've met some people who know everything, and they don't. But he does. He knows everything. 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 (laughs) Just think about that. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's here. He's next door. He's up the road. He's in Manchester, he's in Lancaster, he's in Preston, he's in Cardiff, he's in India, he's in America, he's in Australia, he's in eternity, he's above us, he's beyond us, he's everywhere, 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 he's in your future, sorting things for you, I'm making arrangements, he's making a place for us, he's preparing a place for us, I go to prepare a place for you. He's doing that as well. He's everywhere. Everywhere. Satan isn't. Sometimes we get a bigger picture of Satan and what he's capable of than we do of God and what he's capable of. Satan's powerful. More than any human being, Satan is powerful. More powerful than most angels. But not anywhere being equal to God. Satan doesn't create anything. He destroys things. That's when you know whether you're in God's will or not. Whether you're building something up or you're bringing it down. God builds you up. Satan brings you down. God encourages. Satan criticizes. Understand? He doesn't create anything. His attitude, his joy, his vision, his aim, his objective is to destroy So you're on his hit list. So don't worship him. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take you out. So don't get into doing what he's doing. Satan doesn't build up the church. He tempts you. But he only tempts you in certain things. He'll never tempt you to do good. I've never been tempted to tithe. Never been tempted to tithe. (laughs) Just for effect. Uh, never been tempted to give never been tempted he doesn't 
Satan doesn't tempt you that to do that. He'll never tempt you to do good. He'll tempt you to do the opposite. So Paul in Ephesians says, we're in a wrestling match. This is a fight to the death. This is a fight until we get him in hell. This is how long the fight's going to go on. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Your issue, your difficulty is not God. It's you're coming against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. We are fighting demons now in this age that they weren't fighting demons 10, 15, 50, 100 years ago. Of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And we're in a wrestling match. And he can't touch you unless God allows, because you are under his almighty protection, child of God. So what we're wrestling with? Well, he tempts us. Everyone here this week has been tempted. Every single one of us, whether you're nodding or whether you're thinking, no, not me. No, every single one of us has been tempted. If Jesus can be tempted, Jesus was tempted. You know when somebody gives you a box of chocolates and you're on a diet and you're sort of tempted, aren't you? And you say, no, that's temptation. You want it, you'd like it, but you don't have it. So Jesus was tempted. Tempted to do it. Think that one through. He was tempted to do it. Tempted. Like you're tempted. He was tempted. Tempted to do it. But he said, no. And that temptation is to lure you away from God's will and God's protection. That's what he wants to do. He wants to take you away from his fellowship, from his house, And so he tempts you, a little bit of this, a little bit of that won't do you any harm. He also is constantly accusing you in front of God. You're going up to God and saying, them, 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 they don't love you, they don't worship you, they don't support you, they're not for you, they're not walking with you. Constantly accusing you in front of God. And his attack on you is often to tell you, you're not worthy. You are not worthy. You're not even worthy of approaching God, this mighty God. So my first problem is to get you to understand how mighty God is. My second task is to get you to understand how this mighty God is with you. Jeremiah was unpopular. Jeremiah was God's man speaking on behalf of God. And so he was unpopular. God's man or women who speak God's word are often unpopular. When you speak and act on behalf of God, it's not always good news. Why would you think you'd always be popular when you're speaking to an evil world on behalf of a holy God? So his ministry was under attack. But listen to what he said, Jeremiah 20, verse 11. But the Lord is with me as an awesome one. Therefore my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. 
they will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. He says, the mighty, awesome one is with me. So if it's just me, Jeremiah, and God, we've won. No one's going to prosper, because if it's just me and God, we've won. He's mighty in salvation. Verse 15, he has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. Taken away what you should have had, judgment, and cast out your enemy, the one who wanted to judge you. Why? Because he loves you. So on Thursday, we were singing... The old song, yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is mighty, he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Not the one sitting next to you, but you, he loves you. We know it, but we forget it. In fact, he's so in love with you, he rejoices over you, he's that happy with you, he's that contented with you, he's that full of joy that he rejoices over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. That's the picture. You know that song, Love is in the Air? That's how God is when he sees you. Love is in the air. He sings over you. And he tells us in verse 14, he says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all of your heart. That's why when we come to praise and we come to worship, there should be shouting, there should be singing, because we are rejoicing with all of our heart. And he sings too. He will rejoice over you with singing. The actual Hebrew translation of singing there can mean shouting, sing or shout. You see, some some of us sing is shouting. (laughs) Some of us don't sing in tune. It's not the singing, it's the rejoicing with all your heart. Do you understand? So it could be singing, it could be shouting, it could be both. It's rejoicing with all of your heart. We went to a concert the other night there, and Philip was doing, singing with the, whatever his name is, Marty Perlu. You know, wet, wet, wet. I feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my toes. We come home, Susan says, What did you think? I says, I felt it in my fingers and I felt it in my toes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we should be like in worship. Do you understand? I watched these ladies who should know better at this concert, women of a certain age, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm not even, yeah, no, I won't say that, but they, they uh, <laughs> you know, it must be the menopause, I don't know, they, 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 they just go nuts, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know what men, menopause means, men, pause, well, the, the, these, these ladies, I think, had gone through the men's stop because they, they, would, they had stopped. They were of a certain age and they were just going nuts. Nuts at the front of the, of the, the um, stage. You know, security there. Security. And Susan was right at... No, no, no. 
<laughs> no, she, she wasn't. She wasn't. I, ha- I held her hand. Stop. Down. Down. Rebuke that demon. <laughs> God's happy he's got you. You know how you were laughing there? That's why God laughs when he sees you. Sometimes with... <laughs> sometimes knowingly. He's happy he's got me. He's got you. He's got us. He wanted us and he's got us. You understand? Sing, shout. Let the singing and let the shouting flow in your life. Psalm 33 verse 1 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. So your praise and your worship and your singing and your shouting, God sees as beautiful. So the other night there at that concert, Marty uh, Pello, his face was beaming. He was Scottish. I was the only one who understood him in the whole place. And, uh, <laughs> but, but he loved it. I said to Susan, I says, I says, that's why he keeps going. It's for that moment on stage. It's for that adoration. It's for that praise. It's for that appreciation. Well, that's what God wants when we worship him. You understand? That's what he lives for. If you could call it that. He wants his, he's drawing his, he needs it. He wants our adoration, he wants our singing, and he wants our shouting. And to get us started, he sings over us. Just to get us entering in. Last point. Verses 14 and 15 tell us to sing and shout and rejoice with all of our heart because judgment has been taken away. Oh, you sing and shout when you think you're out of it. When you think you got away with it. When you think it's past, you sing and you shout. You know, when a woman gives birth and the pain and the agony, how quickly do they forget? How quickly that's passed. And now they're singing and shouting. Before they were screaming, but now they're singing and they're shouting. You see, your enemy's been cast out. Don't bring your enemy back in. He's been put out. The king is here. And you shall see disaster no more. It says. You shall see disaster no more. Who's seen disaster in their life? A few of us. A few of us are lying. Disaster. You shall see disaster no more. I believe that's the word of the Lord for someone this morning. You shall see disaster no more. So sing and shout and rejoice with all of your heart because there is no more disaster. Psalm 97. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. You take the presence of the Lord into your future, your mountains that you're facing melt away. You know when a candle just melts, you start off with a big, big candle, and it burns and it burns and it burns and it burns, and eventually you think we're going to have to get a new candle because it's all burnt away. The wax is just melted away. That's what God does with our issues and our problems. We shall see disaster no more. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. He says, verse 16, no more fear, no more weakness, where shame has been on your shoulders, you're on your way back. 
you're on your way back. God has made a way where there is no way. That's a word for somebody this morning. I know it is. God is making a way. And you shall see disaster no more. Hallelujah. Sing unto the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. He says, I'll give you fame. I'll give you praise among the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your very eyes. Yes, he's talking about Israel. Yes, he's talking about people coming back to the state of Israel. But he's also talking about us coming back to him. And he's saying, you're not going to see shame anymore. You shall see You shall see disaster no more. You serve a mighty God. Your disasters have gone. And where you think the enemy's got a hold on you, where you think the enemy can bring that up at any time, God says, no, I'm rejoicing over you with singing. Singing. Was shouting. I'm pleased about you. I'm happy with you. I'm joyful. Get as joyful as I am. That's what he's saying. Get as happy with me as I am with you. No more fear. No more weakness. No more shame. As we come into his presence with joy and with singing. Let's just ask the guys to come back up. We're going to worship. We're going to give him some praise. Going to give him some adoration. Going to tell him that we love him, whether you're shouting, whether you're singing in tune or out of tune. Do it with all of your heart, realizing that he's worshiping you, not worshiping you, he's loving you as you're worshiping him. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.